0: Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Okay, I'm not going to share any new truths with you today, but my intention is to refocus your minds and hearts on some earth-shattering old truths. And this sermon is not just being preached by me. It's also being preached to me because I firmly believe That if I genuinely practiced it, my life would be transformed and I would be closer to the person God's called me to uh, to be. My topic today is Proper Perspectives on Gratitude. As people, we have a natural tendency to be dissatisfied in our day to day lives. When things are going wrong, we complain and ask questions like, Why is this happening to me? When nothing's going wrong, We get used to life as a new normal and we complain that we're bored with our lives. For many of us, unless we're careful, we can fall into a situation where we only express gratitude in moments where things happen that exceed our expectations. But human uh, human expectations shift and we get used to the wonderful gifts we are given and we look for more. I'm completely blessed with an amazing family, and at various points in my 20s, I told God all I wanted was a wife and kids. Well, we all got COVID at the start of the holidays, and I have to admit that being locked up over Christmas and a big chunk of the holiday with a bored and vomiting toddler and a very sick and vomiting wife, while trying to write a sermon on gratitude, did make me wonder about my life choices. And even without COVID, there are times as a parent where I think it would be nice not to have to read the same book 57 times a day. But in all seriousness, now that I have a family, there's a natural tendency to take, on, to take what I have for granted and to, lame- uh, and to look around for things that will make my life better. And sometimes I lament the fact that I'm not working in a dream job, but if I got that dream job, would I stop there? Someone will always have a better job, a better car, a better house, etc. And once we upgrade these things, we notice something even better that comes our way. And we become used to living amazing lives. And we focus on things that we don't like about them. In challenging times, this makes life hard. At other times, life can become boring. But what is the reality Well, that is the focus of today's sermon. You don't have to look hard to find things in this world to be thankful for. People in our lives, activities we enjoy, talents we've been given, good food, good music, sports, books, video games if you're so inclined. There's an endless list, really. And God does call us to be thankful for these things, Here are some examples from Scripture. So in Ecclesiastes we have, If a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. Also from Ecclesiastes we have, So I commend the enjoyment of life, because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have none prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And finally in Psalms 118, we have, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now, what I didn't show you in the above examples was the context surrounding them. And if we add in some verses around those scriptures, we get a slightly different perspective. So, in our Ecclesiastes scripture, But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many, and all that comes is vanity. Hmm... All right, well, let's try the other Ecclesiastes scripture and see how we go with that. This one's talking about enjoyment of life. There is something else meaningless that occurs on earth, the righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. This too, I say, is meaningless. looks like our Nehemiah passage is not so simple either. And this one was meant to be about celebration. Do not mourn or weep, for the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And finally, Psalms. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvellous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now, my point is not that we shouldn't be grateful for the temporary things in this life. We should, but we should also realize that primarily focusing on temporary things will not sustain gratitude in our daily lives. Ecclesiastes shows us that we should be grateful for every year we've been given. However, it is possible that we're going to experience dark periods of our lives, and ultimately, Our days will always come to an end when we die. Ecclesiastes also shows us that we may experience unfair treatment beyond our control. Actions by others may set the course for the remainder of our lives. But even if we do not experience disaster or unfair treatment at the hands of others, the example of the people in Nehemiah shows that we will still ultimately have to face the reality of the sin that exists in each of our hearts. And without a saviour, this should be a cause for great sorrow. However, for Christians, the story doesn't end there because verses 22 and 23 of Psalm 118 show that the day referred to is not just any day. It's the greatest day the Lord has ever made. It's the day of Jesus' resurrection. And Peter clarifies this for us in the book of Acts. Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And really... This is meant to be our main focus when approaching gratitude. What separates Christianity from everyone else is that we've been given the greatest gift any human being can be given. A gift unimaginably great and yet completely undeserved. A gift better than any material possessions, life ambitions, relationships or dreams, in something better than every hopeful thought we've ever had, in every possible way. It's fine to be grateful for every day God has made, but the one day that really matters is the day referred to in Psalm 118, the day that Jesus rose from the dead. But why? Because at Jesus' resurrection, we were freely offered complete forgiveness For every sin we've ever committed, in 1 John 1.9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We're also promised total transformation from our old selves into perfect, sinless people in Christ's image. In 2 Corinthians, we have, And we all, who with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with everlasting glory, which comes from the Lord, with ever, ever-increasing glory, who comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And ultimately, we can look forward to the paradise of eternal life with God Himself. In 1 Peter 1, 3-4, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. And these gifts are a blessing so far beyond our understanding that we could spend a lifetime trying to grasp their significance and still not even come close to fully comprehending them. And for that reason, they are the perfect antidote to our shifting expectations in life. Our promised future is not like the temporary things of this world that we obtain, become bored with, and ask what next. If we take hold of these truths in some meaningful measure, the gratitude that we would gain is both overflowing and inexhaustible. In my opening slide, I showed the proverbial half-full, half-empty glasses of the optimist and the pessimist, but I also add a third for the realist. The fact of the matter is that every good, bad, good or bad thing in this life is temporary and will fade away, but we will not, and as Christians, we look forward to an eternal paradise, As much as it is possible for us to do so, we need to be realists about the value of this. If we genuinely embrace the reality of our situation, it will utterly transform our perspective of reality. And the only valid response is a life absolutely filled to the brim with the deepest gratitude and awe. And that is not an optimistic view of the situation. It is genuinely what is actually going to happen in eternity. If we, have, if we as Christians lived our lives not as optimists, not as, peps, as pessimists, but as genuine realists about what God has done for us, we would be known as the most grateful people on the planet. The glass isn't half full or half empty. For the Christian, the glass is overflowing and we should be grateful. In Colossians 2, 6-7, it says, So then, just as you have received Christ Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live with him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So what should we do about all this? Well, with the great many temporary and eternal gifts we know we've been given. How should a Christian realist live this life out day to day? And I'm particularly talking about times when we are suffering disappointment or unfair treatment or even just in stressful or monotonous situations of day-to-day living. Well, I think it's important to note that knowing all of this and doing nothing with it doesn't work. It's easy to know intellectually what God has done for you without it letting sink in in any meaningful way. If you stop there, gratitude won't make any difference in your life because you won't really feel it. It therefore won't change your default attitude and you and react how you normally would without God's grace. In stressful situations, particularly in the workplace, that's too often where I'm at. As an engineer, I'm naturally frustrated by inefficiency and poor quality processes. I work for a large multinational corporation, and honestly, it's a great place to work. But it is a large multinational corporation, so like all larger organisations, there are definite, definitely inefficiencies that sometimes cause me significant frustration. And if I'm honest, prior to 2023, I often just walk in the door each day and act based on whatever comes my way. I don't stop to think about what God has done for me. I don't cultivate gratitude in my heart. I just turn up. And sometimes, I'm overly negative in the workplace. I get unduly frustrated about situations that arise. And these things are pretty much always temporary in nature. And taking a realistic view, they don't come close to stacking up to the blessings that I've received. Now, Ephesians has a different idea about how these things should work. In Ephesians 3, it says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and high and long and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, Change of heart requires more than just turning up with knowledge. It requires action. Ephesians calls us to be deliberately rooted and established in love. Good, it is the right slide. (laughs) Um, Thomas Constable explains this as Christ being at home in the personality of the believer... He indwells every Christian, but he is especially at home in the lives of those believers who let him be first in their attitudes and activities. Being rooted and grounded in love is the result of Christ being at home in in one's heart by faith. It is not the result of just being a believer. Now, practically speaking, part of this is asking God to change our attitudes daily. And it also includes making space for God in our daily activities through regular worship. And this can include time of prayer, songs of praise and worship, letting the Word of God soak into us, worship in church, worship through our paid employment, attending Life Together groups, or just hanging out with other Christians to talk about the love of God at work in our lives. And all these things prepare our hearts to accept God's eternal gifts and at some level grasp the extents of the love of Christ displayed through them. The Greek word for grasp in Ephesians invokes more than just intellectual understanding. It literally means to take hold of something and make it one's own in other words it's to really ponder what it means to be fully loved by God and to start to feel God's love in its fullness to know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ to go beyond knowledge and make Christ's love lived-out experience. Now, this is a condition that we'll never be able to contain within us. So the natural result, as Colossians says, is a state overflowing with thankfulness. Now, this is the most realistic place to live, but it does take effort on our behalf to get there. One of the things that saddens me as a Christian, and I count myself among the offenders, is that we as a people are too often known for what we are against rather than what we are for. And whilst I agree some of this criticism is unfair, a lot of it is fair. And too often we are seen by society as whingers, And this is a long way from, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of Christ Jesus for you. If we as Christians were really living as realists, perhaps we would be known as the grateful religion. Or well, we should be known primarily for our joy and thankfulness to Christ which overflows into loving action. The summary of our lives should not be a listing of what upsets us and what we are against. Now, this is not to say that we shouldn't stand up for what's right when it's appropriate, but we need to be known more for our faith in Christ and the things we do, rather than for the things we stand against. In John 13, it says... By, all this, uh, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And in Colossians, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of the one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. When Jesus left some parting words to us in the Great Commission, He told us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them, the disciples, to obey everything I have commanded you. When speaking to non-Christians, the first and most important task should always be to point them to Jesus and make them disciples. I wonder if sometimes we get so caught up in various causes that this comes at the expense of pointing non-believers to Jesus. If that is the case, perhaps we need to stop and think about whether we have the balance right in the words we speak with the outside world. So for our application, I've broken this into three parts. And the first is to find your cup. Remember the eternal... Realign your thinking with a realistic perspective on who you are, who God is, and what you've been given. Ask yourself this week what you are grateful for. See what naturally springs to mind, and then stop to consider your eternal gifts that can never perish, spoil, or fade. As I noted earlier, three of these are complete forgiveness for sin... The promise of total transformation and ultimately life with God in eternal paradise continue to be thankful for the little and medium-sized things in your life temporary things are still worth being thankful for but be sure that your gratitude is primarily for the eternal gifts which are given through the resurrection of Jesus secondly fill your cup And this is more than just knowledge. Our focus on eternal blessings is a great foundation. It's the only realistic perspective for a Christian to take. But knowledge alone isn't enough. One day, all Christians will be, as Ephesians says, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And this will completely transform our attitude at all times. We will always respond graciously in all situations, even in times of trouble. While we will never get there perfectly in this lifetime, we should be getting closer. But it absolutely doesn't happen automatically. It takes a lot of effort and practice, but more than that, it takes God's grace. Ask God to change your heart daily Ask for his grace and power to change your life's default attitude and mindset. Make regular space in your day-to-day to to fill yourself up with gratitude. Whilst I still have a very long way to go on this, some things I'm intending to try this year are to wake up gratefully. Pray Pray when you first wake up, before anything goes wrong. Don't give the troubles of your life a chance to rob you of your gratitude. The next one was to use the gaps. Whenever you break focus on what you're doing during the day, use those moments to turn yourself back towards gratitude. For example, when you go to the kitchen, when you hop in a car or a train, hop in the shower, go to the bathroom, etc. Those are gaps. Consider using them to remember both the temporary and eternal things to be grateful for. Next is to be prepared. Make a short prayer of gratitude specific to your life. Ensure that these are words that you'll remember that actually touch your heart, not just empty words, and be prepared to recite these to yourself in difficult moments. The next one is to stop, pray, wait, and then respond. And whilst preparation of our hearts is the most important thing, there's still going to be times when things go wrong and we are pushed. In these moments, we need to be careful to recognise thoughts slipping into our minds that can rob us of our gratitude and joy. As best we can, it's best to just stop for a moment, to pass the weight of the situation over to God, to remember the eternal perspective, and to wait for gratitude to return before responding. In the Old Testament, there are many examples of Israel erecting monuments to remember what God has done for them. And likewise, we can can make similar monuments in our own lives. For example, we can post messages on the wall of our room, phone background, computer wallpaper, whatever it is, Um, it reminds you of what God says and what he has done for you. This is similar to writing God's words on the doorposts as in Deuteronomy 6. Another idea is to keep a written record of things you're grateful for. It could be a journal. It could even just be notes on your phone. Whatever will be an effective reminder that you will refer back to regularly. When God parted the Jordan River in in the book of Joshua... Israel took 12 stones from the open riverbed and piled them into a permanent reminder of God's intervention in their circumstance. You could find meaningful objects in your life that remind you of what God has done. It could be photographs, pictures, or really any objects that remind you to be grateful. And finally, being intentional about communion. To genuinely do it, in remembrance of Christ and what he has done, and to give yourself space to fill yourself with eternal gratitude. The last one is, let your cup overflow. It's not an exaggeration to say that you have more than enough in Christ, even if you don't always feel it at the time. Live as Colossians 2 says overflowing with thankfulness. This is out of gratitude for the gifts that you've been given, particularly those eternal gifts that can never perish, spoil or fade. Be known for that attitude and let it move you to act generously to others. This can be in the words you say. It can be financial or material in nature. It can be in the time you spend. Whatever it is, don't give out of obligation. With a grateful heart, think about people in your life who could use a blessing and give generously to those people out of eternal gratitude for what you yourself have been given freely. So as you head into the year 2023, be a realist about your situation. Don't be glass half full or half empty, be glass overflowing, and live from a realistic place of undeserved eternal gratitude. That's it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.